Sakura Wars, colon, The Gorgeous Blooming Cherry Blossoms, released November 11th, 1998. Everyone's favorite Sega franchise. I'm Dylan Vento. And I'm Nick Nundle, and I've definitely heard of it before. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Attract Mode. I was lying, Dylan. Oh, no. I lied in the intro. I've never heard of Sakura Wars before. Oh, my God. The sanctity of this podcast. Yeah. I've soiled. I've I've really gaslit everybody in that three seconds. And then. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not the phrasing to use, but I see what you mean. I'm I'm confessing. I'm coming clean here on a a sin. Yeah. I could say gaslight. Yeah. Would you like to confess your sins? (laughs) Yes. To uh, Uh, the anime? Yeah, I've I've watched <laughs> this, and that is a sin in and of itself. Uh-huh. I, I am part of this podcast, and I am a sinner. Uh, hey, man, you sinned too. You I did lied to me. <laughs> well, how did I lie? You said this was a movie. Oh, here we go again. This is not a movie, Dylan. Nick's, we need Nick's to get old... this straight. <laughs> look, look. I said at the very beginning on the first episode. Episode zero, I said we were watching movies, we were watching some miniseries, yeah. and other assorted things. Like, I'm not making you watch 20 episodes of whatever the fuck cartoon of a video yeah. game, like Devil May Cry or whatever. But look, if you want more stringent ground rules, we can say like, hey, if it comes in under three hours, let's say... <laughs> god that's terrifying three, three hour time <laughs> limit on any which this meets the prerequisite yeah, of that this, that would fall in this yeah two hour ova four-part mini series that goes ultimately by the end to the origin story of another you know like like some other movie was ready to begin after this or as it turns out a video game uh yeah so this is one of those where a lot happens scene to scene but it isn't telling a complete story. It is just setting up a story. Well, it's funny how multiple times at the beginning of episodes, it decides to just be like, oh, and all this other stuff happened. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's get back to them performing a Broadway musical. Yeah. This four-part series takes place over four years, and and I, I, I have to assume the choices made on what they just kind of quickly go gloss over in between episodes with a few stills is a budget decision because those are like big battles and dramatic things happening and then they're like all right and now we're here with the slice of life stuff that these characters are experiencing which i'm not fully opposed to like i more over than a lot of the other stuff we've watched on this i enjoyed something about this i enjoyed the setting i enjoyed the array of characters maybe. Um, and I, you know, like, I think this has a lot of potential. So before I shit on it for the next hour, <laughs> talking about everything I disliked, I, I actually did think this had something to it, but I was really waiting for an arc to happen 
that it never once delivered on over the course of these four episodes, which is why I, I think it's not a movie to me because it wasn't it wasn't a setup in the first episode and a you know changing rising action according you know across the next two sure. and then a big climax. It was instead just I mean, you you could make some arguments that there is that and we'll get into that, but it it just felt like each episode was its own little contained piece of a bigger story to set up an origin. Yeah, it, it it doesn't meet the high bar of quality of something like say the Resident <laughs> Evil Infinite Darkness, where there is setups and payoffs in that mini series. Yeah, yeah, it's missing some other things, but <laughs> but at least it had that. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the worst thing we've watched for sure. But uh, yeah, it's solidly in the middle middle of the pack. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, let's take a step back. Um, sure. and just kind of go over what the game is in and of itself from the perspective of two people that have never it, played exactly. these games. <laughs> yeah. um, Sakura Wars is kind of like multi-genre, cross-genre thing. Like I've seen it described as like an adventure game kind of thing or like a visual novel and maybe there are like strategy games as well. Uh, kind of all muddled. I, I mean... The closest I've seen to like screenshots, I guess I should also look at that. I guess that would be important. Yeah, it's just it's 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 not a game, it's not a franchise I'm I have any familiarity with at all, but it's pretty long running. I, I found myself very curious watching this miniseries. Like it definitely did draw me in in a way where I was like, Well, what is this? <laughs> like Yeah. I, I want to know more, but I also probably won't put in the effort. But the world <laughs> in and of itself, it's like pre-war alt history steampunk japan yep yeah kind of going through like an industrial revolution of steampunk tech yeah so there's like still the kind of like that victorian era influences and stuff Mm -hmm. uh but like all this stuff is powered by steam they got giant like like street cars that don't run on like electric wires that just like have giant brass piping coming out of the side and propelling it down the street and all yeah. that stuff. And it, it is, it's a cool, it's a cool setup. Like you're saying, like there's but also like, like traditional Japanese aesthetics are in play too with, you know, the garb that people are wearing and things like that, but they've mixed and matched it where you've got like, I, I don't want to use the wrong word here, but I want to say a kimono, but like with a, a hat yeah. you would expect to see on someone in like early 1900s new york right yeah it's yeah. like a guy wearing a gi with yeah like a newsy hat yeah uh, or like a bowler hat or something and it's like yeah I, there's there's something on there to chew on visually at the very least which yeah. is cool and ryan's a lot of like thing. yeah um it gives me kind of legend of Korra vibes a little bit because like yes. that also did like a combination of like early industrialization and magics i guess um yeah and with an asian flair which there is magic in this and we will get into that or a form of magic uh right so that's kind of like the setup for the thing i think the best way to tackle this to avoid getting super in the weeds yes uh and making this like a three hour long podcast is to <laughs> about a two hour ova <laughs> right exactly <laughs> is to kind of just do each character's arc individually. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then like kind of some of those don't really have a full arc though, do they? Mm, no, I'll, I mean, I'll be like, interested what you have to say then, I guess, but a lot, a lot of them intersect, but at least we can like kind of like set the ground rules yeah. for each character. It's like, this is who they are. This is like how they come in. And then like, we can build that up to the, the final act if you want to call in so it so much as it is that yeah yeah 
Um, so do we start with Sumiri then? Uh, I mean, we can do it like by the order they're introduced. She sort of kicks off the c- technology, I think, that builds a lot of the other stories off of, right? Or, I mean, Sakura's kind of also coterminous with that and has a whole different thing right. going on. So either I way. Mean, so the confusing part about this series. So there's a character called Sakura. Yes. And the game franchise is called Sakura Wars. Yes. Which never is made clear <laughs> right my brain interprets that as she is the like catalyst of war uh, similar to an archduke ferdinand <laughs> causing uh world war one this single woman causes whatever conflict that erupts it's sakura is like a cherry blossom right so and then they often call themselves like this floral team or this blossoms you know like they, they end up using that a lot. So I think yeah. it is just them double dipping on the name Sakura. And maybe she's not the primary protagonist. Or is she? They come I up think with she the, is. They come I up think with the flower thing independent of her. Which right. is what's strange. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, just to clarify that. that there, but the, <laughs> to clarify the that itself, with, we don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to like, if you see, hear us saying Sakura a lot in reference to a character, mm-hmm. we're acknowledging, yes, it's confusing that the franchise is named after her or might not be, but at least it uses her name in the title right. of the franchise. Right. Uh, but yeah, we can start with Sumire. Um, all right. All right, Nick. All right. Tell me. Here's the pitch. Oh, the, oh, you're pitching to me now. Okay. Yes. Uh, you, you're an executive at Sega. I am. I'm uh-huh. a person. I have this great idea. It's like, okay. Imagine a world in a world. Okay. Where where demons exist. All right. You got that? Got, I got that? Demons. demons. Demons exist. All right, yes. Demon? All right. All right. How, How do, do you we think fight? I got this Sega exec position? <laughs> <laughs> I have to know what demons are. Right. Um. All right. How do we fight demons? With pretty ladies in steampunk mechs naturally i'm on board with psycho powers i've seen Zack snyder's sucker punch i'm in <laughs> you made that comparison a lot during this do you want I, do you want to like clarify because i've never in. seen that movie it, it's weird because i think if you told somebody like oh these are the exact same thing they'd look at you like you're crazy uh after watching both but there's just a number of visual elements that make me think Zack snyder must have seen this played this something when he worked on sucker punch there is a it's world war ii for them but there is a sequence where uh sucker punch if you've not seen it is essentially just a series of uh badass girls in music videos killing various enemies orcs zombies nazis whatever um and uh and then and then the, that well that's that's the like high level look at it the the other side of it is a terrible story about abuse and corrupt systems and and other things in play too so i don't want to oversimplify it but um in each one of these little segments they go into like a fantasy world and deal with fighting a different type of uh enemy and in one of them they go into world war ii and they're fighting zombie nazis and one of the characters has this mech that is this like canister bodied i think it's a little bit more rabbit designed it's got like bunny ears on it but uh, but it's very similar canister body to what's in here. It's all these girls using powers and abilities to fight uh, evil. And it's just so many comparison points that I wanted to draw the lines to. But also, they are very different <laughs> at the same time. So it's not like it's a ripoff or anything. 
but I, I have to wonder if it inspired it. And that's but they all are I both bad. I yes, <laughs> yes. I, Zack Snyder's you know like such a complicated figure because he's problematic in so many ways, but forward thinking in other ways. And that movie is exemplary of exactly that. But if you just go in turning off your brain watching a cool fucking series of music videos, it's not too bad. Okay. Okay. High praise. <laughs> it's not too bad. So yeah, so there are demons in this world and they like reference a demon war. So there's like some huge conflict and these like uh, shit, what do they call the company? It has like, it's like something heavy industries. Oh no, I got it. I got it in my notes, but I don't have them up. I <laughs> how foolish of me. Kazaki Heavy Industries. Okay. Um, so this company is like building war machines for the government to like fight these demons should they ever return. And apparently there are people that have latent uh psychic abilities, psycho power, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes. Um, psycho power. And they are the ones that are going to be controlling the mechs. So Sumire's intro is she is like basically testing out one of these prototype mechs. And so like they put her in a harness and then they put that harness inside the mech and she's like trying to power it up, channeling her psycho power. Because they have the ability to make mechs through steam technology, but only that can be powered with psychic abilities. Like I only can, can be controlled by it, moved by it. I don't know what. It kind of seems very unexplained, which, of course, how could you explain it? Um, but, like, maybe if you've got those powers, do you need a mech? Or if you've got a mech, do you need those powers? <laughs> like, <laughs> but they go hand in hand in this world, which is cool. I think that's that's fun. Um, yeah. You got you to gotta drift with your Pacific Rim mech. You know, you got a psychic link with your Sakura mech. And Sumire is also very cocky right like mm-hmm. she's like testing out the mech and the mech like barely lumbers forward which is like the most progress it's made but then it like immediately like breaks down uh, <laughs> yeah. when she's in it and she's like huh that was great that was easy piece of cake i did it <laughs> but she's also trained by seemingly a elder mentor who is equally as arrogant and that's probably why she gets that because he's like i did it i did it when he's like standing <laughs> off to the side oh yeah <laughs> so i think there's weirdly like there's a lot of thought put into small character development pieces but they're so small that it could easily be missed you know in this as well i wonder if that comes from it being like a quasi visual novel-esque game. yeah like a, a game that focuses a lot on its writing like has a lot of character stuff to draw from yeah that's for fair. this um all right so that's subire um oh she also like when they put the mechs into like actual production she demands that they paint them different colors mm-hmm. and they like these very there's like one that's purple one that's pink and one that's white i think or orange i mean there's like a bunch of different ones yeah by the end of the film there are a lot of different but they're at this point yeah three colors and she she calls them the three colored pansies which I don't know if that's supposed to be... I wonder if it's a mistranslation of, like, panzers, like, for tanks and stuff. Because they do call them, like, Tiger Kubo at some point later in the film. Or well, I think it's back to that flower thing, right? Or Yeah, exactly. It does link up with the flower thing. So before they were roses or cherry blossoms... Before they are cherry blossoms, that's what it was. Now they're pansies at this stage. I don't know if that... They're always pansies, because I don't think they call them that later. But yeah, the, the, yeah, I don't col- know. the like three-colored saying- pansies... 
like you're saying, like they they call like their unit like the Flower Squad or the Floral Assault Group, like yeah. a bunch of different like yeah floral related things. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's Sumire. Oh, we're so we're not following Sumire's story through. We're saying I mean, origin what is for there each... more to her story that doesn't intersect? Yeah, I think we just with established other people. Yeah, we're good there. So we've established yeah. her character. She's cocky and arrogant, and then later that does come up more. But we can we can touch on it. Um, well, I guess we could jump to Sakura then. She's very isolated. Yes. So her story happens a lot, just her and her family, and almost feels like maybe it would have been a movie if they just focused on her and actually told a story yeah. with her instead of jumping around like this. Um, but she is this. Uh, young woman whose father is uh no longer with us he's deceased uh, some way i don't remember if they say exactly how you know he's gone she lives with her mother her grandmother and an old man who i assume to be her grandfather although i don't know if that's canonically declared either i think he's like a caretaker that it also could be that easily yeah Yeah. because he's never like quite with the family he's always a little removed outside doing stuff or whatever he's also two foot five if he's an inch like yeah, he stands yeah. maybe at this young girl's like waistline which is a pretty common trope in japanese animation yeah. like the elderly are just shrunk down yeah. little people yeah um very diminutive yeah and the grandmother is the same way she's tiny too and, and we have this bizarre relationship where sakura is um trying to develop her her skills that her father sort of passed down to her, but her mother and her grandmother don't think she's doing enough. She's not practicing her katana work often enough. She's not, you know, following these rigid guidelines they want for her. She's kind of got a spirit where she wants to go out in the world, I think, and they want to say, no, you're not ready. You're going to do this first. So they force her to train. Uh, they also have her her ancestral family sword in the house uh, that she really wants to get her hands on but they refuse her um, and that sort of develops into this bizarre obsession. I almost thought at this stage that the sword was going to turn out to be evil because yeah, she becomes cursed. Yeah. She becomes so focused on it, but it's more meant to be that she is just driven by this passion. Like, okay, my family has put this thing on a pedestal that I have to earn. So I'm going to earn it. Um, so she does. She she trains and builds up her skill and eventually manages to claim the family sword and learn these ancient techniques, uh, the last of which they provide to her on a scroll. And they say, this is like this is the one technique of our family. It goes back to our like best and greatest ancestor. And it's going to uh, unlock your full potential and then you'll be ready. Right. You'll be done. And she unfurls the scroll and it's blank. Which I actually thought was a good bit. Um, she tries like looking yeah. for secret language on it, you know, checking in the light, checking underwater. Um, I love when they do that in Kung Fu Panda. So glad uh, to see do it. Do they do the exact bit in Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I like I, this, this ancient scroll that's like the master technique, and then Jack Black's character unfurls it, and it's just like golden leaf to like incredible. And it reflects back their face, and the whole thing in that is like, oh, the secret weapon it's is you. you. It's like, yeah, and that's honestly essentially what this is as well because they have to they the grandmother explains in private that you have to uncover this secret technique yourself that's what makes you a master so 
she does. <laughs> That's her story. Um, yeah. She she the, trains and uh, you you want to go ahead. Well, uh, you you mentioned the grandmother and the grandmother also for like two of the episodes like refuses to talk directly to yeah. Sakura. We and never... it has to be like translated through either like the caretaker slash grandfatherly figure or Sakura's mother. Yeah, we never understood why that was like no. It, because later she just openly talks to her so is it a respect thing like i'm not you're not even good enough for grandma to talk to you yet which is wildly like <laughs> damaging to someone's psyche or or did they give up on a bit you know i i, I honestly right. couldn't tell you um the the fully work that they do on the grandmother when she's not but like some points it sounds like she's like sucking on her teeth or she's like yeah like some weird star wars character yeah and then there is this like you you thought also the mother might be evil at one point because i was with you there like she would the grandmother would mumble and then the mother would say something mean like you're not ready for this and you have to do more training you're not doing enough training or yell at her and then she would add like uh, there'd be like a little ellipses in the subtitles and then she would add or so grandmother says <laughs> right yeah she's like, like expressing her actual like opinions on her daughter but like defending saying it's it. the grandmother yeah. yeah but it seems kind of like maybe it all was the grandmother the whole time it's it's hard to tell i don't think mm-hmm. they did like that particular arc yeah justice or like communicated it well the tough so. part about this show and just any kind of stuff like this is what cultural key components are we missing that we are not aware of that maybe make that joke hilarious. You know, there might be something to that, that we're totally not getting, but how would we know? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. You know, can't, can't do it. Um, all right. So Sakura, she will, uh, meet the other characters soon enough. These, these other ones. Yeah. We, three at once. They're from, yeah, they're with these are like the a start. trio. Yeah. Yeah. So you got Maria, you got Kana, and you got Iris. And so Maria is like kind of basically the oldest sister of the group, like in terms of like relationship, not literally, but she is like the one everyone kind of looks up to. She's the one that's like has the most stature and composure. Yeah. Composure is key because I think she feels like she knows the most about what's going on. And as yeah. as an audience who doesn't know, I'm like, okay, this character is going to explain something at some point. No, not really. <laughs> but no, I mean that's more so for like the leadership. Yeah, and they call these people like non commissioned officers at one point. So like the actual commissioned officers, the commanding officers, yeah. are like the people that like hold on to all the answers. We got Maria, you got Kana, you got Iris, and Iris, fascinating, because she is a nine year old girl. Mm-hmm. Which again is like another trope, right? Like throwing like oh, yeah. something that's like super young but and super powerful. Or right. Or capable or yeah. She's also French for some reason. Mm. And is Kana American or or no Maria, I'm sorry, is Maria American? I don't think they I mean her last name is Tachibana. Yeah. I okay. assume everyone except Iris is Japanese. I guess they just talked about New York at one point, I recall, and they did like a quick flashover. That's, right. that's something we should mention. The number of tiny cuts that are, I would say, gorgeous in a lot of cases, but don't uh, they, they mood set, but they 
they mostly confuse <laughs> the the scenes they're like when when sakura is training there's lots of like wildlife nearby and stuff like that and it's you know it's cool cuts and and like or no, not cool cut, cool visuals to see a deer yeah. stag you know coming around a bend and drinking at some water or whatever and all of these things but there's there's so many little cuts like that throughout this at least the first two parts i can't remember it as much in the third and fourth so another thing they kind of abandoned as it went on i guess yeah build up to the action nick right can't can't waste time on establishing shots just wait until we build up that action (laughs) um but yeah just there so that i don't even remember contextually what the new york cut was about i just know we were suddenly seeing new york in yeah, it was like Maria and someone else talking about it. And the weird part of that scene is that's the only part where it's dubbed in English. Yeah, yeah. For the entire OVA and everything else is in Japanese. Like, we had subtitles, obviously, but, like, <laughs> it just switched over to English in the version we were watching for just that scene. But can you tell me anything important from that scene? That Absolutely not. That, like, must have been important, right, to someone to make it in English and to put like, they had like in film subtitles, you know, illustrated kanji float up on the screen. Like somebody was like, Oh yeah, this scene's important enough to do these extra special things to it. I I don't remember it ever. <laughs> nope. Okay. Absolutely not. Um, so you got Maria, you got Iris. Kana is kind of, I keep wanting to compare it to someone like, cloud strife from Mm. final fantasy yeah she is just like she is the bruiser of the team she is this just very tall muscular very strong strong willed character who is very much like action over anything else yeah um and she's fun like i think all these characters in some way shape or form are fun yep um especially when they bounce off of one another i mean maria is kind of like the most neutral for sure because she's that stoic composed yeah yeah but yeah kana is like fighting dudes on the boat that they're taking into japan and like you know even when she fights them she like intentionally crushes a hole in steel with her fist and then she's like all right you're fine get out of here and is like yeah "Yeah, these guys weren't much of a fight but that's okay i'll fight someone good in tokyo (laughs) like she's just that that is that is right after she because like the smash cut introducing her she is just mid swing of a punch decks a guy in the face and there's like at least five teeth that just go flying out of his head they introduce this cool character and then immediately ditch her it's so strange either in the first or second episode like someone had to plan this out yeah yeah it's it's she's through the second episode and then in the second episode she leaves and is not there at all for the third and then comes back again in the fourth with no fanfare. Just, I'm here now. Yeah, yeah. She had a whole arc that doesn't happen within the context of the show. But right. apparently she had to avenge her fallen father. And so she just goes on this side mission. Yeah. And she like escapes the compound that they're all staying at. And everyone's like, ah, let her go. And that that's like a whole scene. That's a whole like huge scene. So they all arrive at this theater in Tokyo, which is used as the cover for all these girls. And one of the girls there, Samiri has been the longest in this program. She knows the mechs, you know, she's been part of that building process. So she feels like she, and she's got that ego we talked about 
she feels like she's the star of the show and she immediately butts heads with every other girl who she sees as competition on that. Now, when we say star of the show at that time, I thought that was metaphorical, but we quickly learn this theater is a functioning theater and not just a hideout. And these girls are all going to be both highly trained psychic military operatives, including the nine-year-old and performers in the public eye working at this theater but she doesn't want her roles to be stepped on by kana so when kana needs to go and avenge her father there is this big dramatic scene with samiri and kana um where samiri helps kana escape just to like get her out of her hair you know yeah ensure her theatrical career yes progresses as normal and then when we see her again, we've had two more, you know, episodes of this come out. The they've done all of these various like, you know, oh, here's what happened in between the episodes things. It's not like when we catch up between 3 and 4 they're like, "Oh, here's where Kana went and what she did during her, you know, there's no catch up for her." Yeah. She's just there again. She's just back. It's I don't understand <laughs> how you plan this out. And was it was it a in the first draft, it, like we followed her for a while, but then they had to cut it for budget or time or whatever. I'm so curious. There are questions I'll never have answered. <laughs> They're just stuck in your head now. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I have no idea. The pacing uh, is really weird. I mean, they also clarify. I forgot where I read this on like a Wikipedia page or something. But the first three episodes take place before the first game. Yeah. And then the last episode takes place in the middle of the first game. So that's probably the answer then is Kana's story of vengeance is probably early in that first game. Mm. So she leaves in two at the end of two, three happens before the game. The game begins. We're back with Kana, like going through something or, you know, at some point early in it. And then we resume with four. Interesting. I care about this too much. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> like, welcome to attract mode. Oh no, I care. Welcome to attract mode. I care about this too much. Yeah, that's accurate. Um. All right. So that's that's kind of uh that's kind of Iris and Maria because they're kind of like a trio. Yeah. Like if if Sumire is like the original, these three are kind of the the new recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kana leaving is also spurs into action why they go and try to enlist Sakura. Yeah. Which uh, we haven't really talked about like the commanding officers, but basically it's like there's a commander uh, and his name is Yoneda uh, and he's kind of like this middle-aged dude, kind of goofy, but is like kind of the Charlie. If these are the Charlie's Angels, he is Charlie. Which they very much want you to think Charlie's Angels. The opening has the like full-blown angel silhouettes thing happening in the intro like yeah he is the charlie yeah and then you have a vice commander who is this woman um ayame is her name but i don't think they ever really say her name very much Mm -hmm. during the thing but she is like in uh military uh dress all the time uh and then everyone else is just wearing random shit either just whatever dresses or geese or fucking all this shit um kana's always wearing like a tank top and a headband uh, we have Koran, 
Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, I, I you're going to have to guess that that's right. I, I don't know the answer, but yeah, we'll operate with Koran. She is like the Q yes. of the Imperial Floral Assault Group. Um, <laughs> Flower pansies. She, what does she make? Like, what do we that- see that she makes? Because <laughs> all we ever see is her pouring test tubes of liquid into like flasks of liquid which then, and blowing herself then explode. up yeah she is completely comic relief i don't remember her succeeding at anything in this entire four-part ova she does get in a mech at one point right? yes yes at the final battle she's got her own mech which means which she must be psychic the whole time yeah we yeah. never she's never part of the training she's never part of like discussions of it just it just suddenly she's there but um yeah she's like working in a lab always mixing stuff together i have to assume it's some kind of like reagent that makes steam happen faster for the steam mechs or a psychic Mm. reactive fluid or or something that makes the mechs work because otherwise what's the point but yeah but yeah she's she's always working in the lab always blowing herself up and that is her entire arc until in a mech in the final episode well, also being one of the performers in the theater. Oh, right. You can't forget right. the theater. Right, of course. Never forget the theater, never, Nick. Never forget. The theater never dies. So we've been through most of the characters. There is a character who appears a couple times along the way. Yeah. Does he interact with any of our other characters before he is in the fourth episode? Like as like No, uh, he, he has like a three-episode wind-up. Yeah. <laughs> of just like before he shows up being like a navy guy or you know some, yeah. some sort of naval military guy he's like a sailor slash deckhand yeah um a little bit like brock from pokemon where he's like a little bit of a gawking at the girls type but not like overt not not as yeah. bad as brock you know uh just a few similar characteristics there and then all of a sudden between episodes three and four in the like catch-up stills it's like by the way, Yanita is no longer the commander, and this guy's in charge of things now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and the and the justification for him is that the the floral assault group is like bickering a lot internally. Like, there's mm. just a lot of like tensions between all the women in this nine year old. Yeah, this nine, and. Yeah. Who, and, who, by the uh, way, the nine-year-old's most hated thing is fighting. Well, so <laughs> picked the wrong profession, yeah, ma'am. Nine-year-old child, miss. <laughs> you gotta think. I mean, rethink your career, kid. <laughs> I mean, we, this, this is still this is still early industrialization. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how she, the child labor laws. Were she working. was definitely not the only nine-year-old child working in this time. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Think of all the kids getting caught in like giant machinery gears yeah. well they're so like small they had the best plant. chance yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah they fit in the maybe you'll squeeze in the through crannies <laughs> um but but all these tensions are rising internally with the group and the vice commander uh ayame is like what we need is a man <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> and i'm like uh what it's like we need a man to put these ladies in line so it's not like, oh, we need like another, we need a, because, because they also say we need a captain, but it's not just, we need a captain to lead these, this yeah. group into battle. It's like, we specifically need a male figure 
who also happens to be a captain, but it's it's very vital that that it's a man. Yeah. Because otherwise this whole thing falls apart. Huh. I, you know, I glossed over that, I guess, because by this, you know, this is the fourth episode and it does start to like yeah. <laughs> be hard to keep up. I, I had no idea that there was like a whole <laughs> strong male lead angle here, but it, it fits with the, the, the style of what these things are, I guess. Um, so they bring him in and, uh, he, the, the fourth episode, I think the fourth episode is the most interesting one to talk about. Um, in its yeah. in its chronological order, because everything up to that point has just been bringing in the various characters, aside from kicking out one particular character. <laughs> um, yeah, but she's back now, so it's fine. Right, and the fourth one, she's back. But the fourth episode also, I don't know if it directly opens with it or if it's shortly after the episode opening, but we, having been in this theater the entire three parts so far, suddenly learn who is the stage crew (laughs) running the theater, which are these face-covered, fully magical, able-to-disappear-in-an-instant crew of ninjas. Yeah. And it does like a almost like a stomp style musical of them like hammering and moving around and like building a stage set, and then that takes that down and brings up the next one, and... They all like admire their work and then just vanish out of existence as like it, the yeah. girls come into the room. Right. And to clarify, not vanish is like, oh, smoke, like smoke bomb, they disappear. It's like they just like lower their opacity until yeah. they are no longer <laughs> in the scene. Like yeah. they just like just go transparent. And it's what? How? What? And like if they're meant to be like spirits or just extremely well trained, you know, in a world where you can use magic psychic ability psycho power psycho power then yeah i fully accept that you can do this um but why haven't we encountered any bit of that lore until the fourth episode and then suddenly they're throughout the whole episode part of this yeah and the reason one that like (laughs) go ahead ahead. Uh, well i was gonna say the reason that they're so ubiquitous throughout this fourth episode is because the fourth episode focuses not at all on coming battles or the reveal in the third episode that there is a like evil wraith creature living under Japan bridge uh, with four like generals who are these like crazy super demons Um, that reveal happens and then is not discussed again because in the fourth episode, it is more about Ogami who we have not really known at all yet is feeling a little sad and the girls want to cheer him up. And when they ask how to cheer him up, he says, I've always wanted to make other people's dreams or no, hold on. He says something like, I want, I always wanted to be someone else's dream, which is like, what poetic shit is that? What does that mean? (laughs) But they interpret it. And I've I've always, (laughs) I've always wanted to be a figment of someone else's imagination. They interpret that to understand that what he needs is to write his own play and they are going to star in it man fucking talk about failing up huh (laughs) (laughs) i'm sad i'm a sad white man okay we're gonna get you we're gonna do a whole theater production to make you happy so thus far throughout this ova in one of the first sequences when the like the trio of girls including the nine-year-old arrive a demon attacked and they had to defend against that 
Another demon attacked uh, Samiri in the night, and she cut it in half with a uh, Naginata. Um, then they they did have to fight um, a large group of uh, kind of like like just like armored knight type things, but that when they like shot through with their their mech guns blasted them away in a way that makes it seem like they were kind of semi-corporeal or something they might be demonic entities not yeah. actual people but they call them rebels so that confused us <laughs> are they yeah, actual rebels <laughs> or are they demons spirits who knows well, i was waiting for this like turn to be like oh actually the floral group is like at the behest of the government to like stomp out rebellion because I mean, they like, kind of are the, right <laughs> the, the japanese state is becoming very uh authoritarian <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they are there for the Imperial defense, right? So yeah, they kind of yeah. are, um, but it doesn't get into that too much. Uh, so we don't know if the Rebels are people or not, but they've killed all of them uh, with crazy psycho power. And and like you expect the fourth episode to be a climax building to like, okay, we've seen this Wraith and his demon generals. That's going to hit now. Yeah. And instead... <laughs> We we spent a whole episode working on a play, ninjas building up a new set, um, only for play night to get there. A lot of drama. This is this thing is full of you know like, oh I should be the lead, you should be the lead, you know drama type stuff, bickering back and forth. Um, but then play night is there. They've settled on who's going to be what parts. Everything is coming together, and alert goes up. Oh no the city's under attack this is it right this has got to be our four demon generals and the wraith all at once in like the next yeah. 10 minutes can they pull it off no it's just another group of armored knights who they've yeah. squashed before so what trouble are we going to have this time um remind <laughs> me the the bridge fight is not the final confrontation right? no it is oh, not oh, the bridge no, fight not. was it's episode the... two or, right. or three Wait, episode three where... sorry yeah, and that's where Sakura kind of proves herself because before then she was not. Yeah, she was the new to, girl. Yeah, she was not respected by the rest of the team. Um, but she comes into her own by saving the day and her, her mech, uh, and her mech. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to clarify. Uh, we never we, we said the guys we said the captain's name once, but uh, Ichiro Ogami yes. is the captain Sorry. that became the tortured playwright yeah uh um just so we we have that clarified so yeah so that is their new captain he put together or he he directed this whole production and whatever um but they have to postpone it uh or you well, know, hold on so going yeah. Back, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay so they so they're going back and forth about like oh like we're you know the city's about to be under attack by another troop of armored knights uh do we postpone the play? Do we not postpone the play? Which is a wild thing to like have an independent decision. Yes. Like at the behest of the soldiers. Like imagine, uh, and you know, and I'm not pro military or anything, but just like, and maybe, maybe it should work out this way, but it's funny that to think of like independent or individual, like soldiers, determining whether or not they go into battle yeah well it wasn't supposed to start that way right like at first the sakura girls don't even know the floral salt group is just like preparing for the play right vice yeah. vice commander gets the alert and goes they have like a red button on the wall that's just a tiny like like a like an elevator button like one of those tiny little yeah. red depressing buttons and she's going to push it and uh ogami catches her hand and he's like 
this is too important. The the play has to happen. Don't summon the girls to defend the city. <laughs> Don't summon the girls. Don't summon the girls. So what he decides, and this is news to us, he's going to take a mech because I guess he's also psychic. And, sure. And uh, he's going to go and fight the whole battle himself so the girls can do the play. And then it becomes the girl's decision, or almost becomes the girl's decision. It's kind of... I, the commander shows up and he's talking to the vice commander and he's like, what's going on? How can you put the play above the defense of the city? That's what you're here for. And the girls over here, the vice commander telling about Ogami and everything. And they are agonizing then over the decision. Like they haven't been commanded yet to go because the command was stopped. Sure. Sure. Um, so they're like, Oh, should we go help him? Should we do the play? And then one of the fucking ninjas just phases into existence in front of the button (laughs) pushes it and disappears so now they are officially summoned by the (laughs) command of the ninja what not really (laughs) respecting the chain of command here at all it doesn't seem like um this chain this chain is weak it's so wild and all this time uh, i was saying like why don't they just delay the play like this fight can't take that long um but they they go out on stage they tell them you know hey guys (laughs) that's where i think they were they're having that like idea that they were making the decision because they all go out on stage and they are uncertain whether or not like who's gonna say we're ending the play or not or we're gonna go forward with it and then i think sakura is the one who steps forward and she's got the lead so this is important to her but she's going to take the 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 appropriate route of defending the city you know not killing many many people uh just so you can be the lead in a play real noble (laughs) (laughs) the bravest one of us all or leaving Um, your captain to die who wrote the play because he cares about his art that much well it's it's weird because yeah like the ninja the, the, the ninja hits the button but that doesn't like it's that doesn't mean like oh like the decisions already been made you're going to battle it's like yeah. he hits the button that like puts them on alert yeah but yeah. it's still the girl's decision whether or not to go into battle yeah and so they go in so they're like all right we're gonna do it yeah like they said the play has been canceled mm-hmm. um but they uh uh so so that kind of like just puts everything on friggin like defcon 2 right like the entire like theater opens up like or some building opens up it's like fucking like the end of uh, winter soldier and yeah. there's like this it's, giant it's the street that, outside like, because people are walking on it oh, and yeah. they have to like try to jump over one side or the other or when like people are getting separated from each other but everybody's hype as hell <laughs> like yeah <laughs> in spite of that it's not like a traumatizing terrifying thing they're all like oh the what do they call it the flying whale yes i the, believe the so. flying whale is coming the flying whale is coming so people are like getting up on their rooftops to watch as the whole street opens up now they have mentioned this thing like six times throughout these four episodes and you around episode four's beginning were like we didn't even see the flying whale this whole time and here it is like it finally goes up but the impression i get i mean i know japan is big it feels like it's all happening in tokyo though so they're just going like yeah. a few streets over in the slowest <laughs> yeah. transport possible. <laughs> the commander's like, we haven't gotten to use this yet. I'm fucking, we're going, yeah. we're going you were using the Zeppelin. We've refer- referenced this too many times not to. <laughs> 
shots. Those establishing shots, really cool. Yeah. They also have a train yeah. at their disposal called the Rumbling Thunder that I so don't fucking cool. I don't think they've used either though. Um, no. So that's that's set up for the game, I guess. Um, but yeah, Rumbling Thunder is rad. <laughs> so yeah. the flying whale airdrops their mechs into the battle where they can land around uh, Ogami, who is like you know doing his best to fend off against all these knights alone. He's been beating the shit. Like they yeah. keep cutting to him after when they're like agonizing whether or not to go, and he is just getting fucking rocked yeah. by all of these knights because he's one guy. Yeah. And, so. and also, we haven't seen him training. We have no idea what potential ability he has. Uh, right. But he's, yeah, he's not going to make it okay on his own until they arrive. And that in this is when we see Koran has her own uh, mech now, all of a sudden. Like, never discussed. She's just there with one. Right. And, and with I get like a giant test tube and beaker, and she's <laughs> pouring a giant liquid yeah. into the other thing. Surely that won't up. go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I. I, get, I do like that there is progress happening between episodes like that, though, where like she came up and we didn't have to watch her story, but she still got it. I just wish there were a few more hints of those things, but I, I think it's kind of cool to have like storytelling in that way. We're over these four episodes. We covered a large span of time and a lot of activity, um, but it does disappoint me a little bit when they actually go into this fight. This is the climactic final battle. It should be amazing. And instead, they all just do their powers in the same way they did on the bridge fight and immediately eliminate the enemies. Like, there is yeah, there is no resistance here. There's not even a scratch on their armor other than Ogami. Uh, they just yeah. decimate. Um, or, like, and they do this thing. So, they, like, so we were talking about how, like, uh, uh, Sumire is, like, skilled with, like, a Naginata. Mm-hmm. And so, like, her mech has a giant Naginata that she fights with. Yeah. And it's, like, the same for, like, uh, Sakura. Uh, Sakura has a giant samurai sword. Or is it a giant samurai sword? Or is it still her I think it's her family's sword? ancestral blade held by the mech. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess it's big enough that it can be wielded by them. Is it, I like, also, a short sword at that point? With the Yeah. I wonder if they scale it up and don't it want you to notice. <laughs> like Acknowledge it. Yeah. 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 yeah um so everyone's got different stuff like kana is like a fist fighter mm-hmm. so like her mech just has like giant like iron knuckles uh on the ends of the fists. maria has like a blunderbuss yeah that shoots Be- because she's from america that's <laughs> uh, true we I'm do love our you. guns <laughs> her last name just aside said, she is american <laughs> the gun just says second amendment on the, on the barrel <laughs> she shoots this gun and this gun shoots out like a water wave or vapor or something yeah. that forms into it's like the fucking river scene in Fellowship of the Ring. It like forms into her face. Yes. In in the mist. And then it just like snakes around and hits its and target and freezes it in a big like crystal formation it. of ice. She got like fucking thermokinesis? What's like what is yeah. how does this how does any of this work? Well, and then Kana punches the ground and causes magma to erupt. So she's got, yeah, the same kind of thing, right? It's like ice and fire. Damn. Damn. Game of Thrones up in this bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. And then Iris can teleport. Yes. She can teleport pretty cool. and levitate things. I don't know if we ever see her as a mech levitate something, but we see her levitating things all the time. Yeah. She also summons so she's got a little teddy bear with her at all times 
<laughs> oh fuck i forgot about this holy shit but yeah she like surrounds one of the knights with like a ball of energy and like 16 swirling teddy bears and that just like compresses and crushes the knight to death <laughs> which is well she does that with uh with ogami too because she's like i'll i'll fix your back ogami oh and is then, that like, what it is the okay bears. yeah yeah she summons the bears and they're all dressed in like nurse outfits yeah and they spin around and repair his mech because it's repairing a mech is the same thing as healing a person yeah. how does what well cleric abilities are not to be questioned i guess yeah yeah just as a, a, a white mage that went to engineering school yes it's yeah deadly combination um, but after all this, when the battle is won, then it's it's time to return to the theater. And wouldn't you know it, this is a dedicated fucking crowd. Everyone's still <laughs> here. And there is some <laughs> back and forth between a few audience members about whether or not they're going to wait or not. But one of them says a real Tokyoite would n- always wait for a show. And uh, they the girls take the stage and they do their play. And it's. Uh, an uproarious success everyone's you know yep. thrilled to to watch and, standing ovation and can we i i don't even know how to talk about ogami right now <laughs> ogami apparently has uh up until this point suppressed his disassociative personality <laughs> disorder i don't understand it in the slightest i i mean literally i thought the movie was over and I was just waiting, like, all right, all right, the fourth part's over. That's the now we go into credits, and we just kind of pan over to the back of the theater, and there are two Agamis standing next to each other, talking to each other. Yeah, one definitely has like an aura around it, yes. right? Like yeah. it's like kind of glowing a bit. Yeah. What the fuck do they even say? I was so stunned. I missed part of the dialogue, but I know that at least a piece of it is that one of them is like an ogami from another world or maybe a dream world. And as long as the theater keeps Japan's dreams alive, he will always exist and be able to help this ogami, the like the real world ogami or the prime world ogami or whatever we want to call yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Ogami prime. Ogami prime. Yeah. Uh, it, like, so they have to like keep the theater alive I, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if those ninjas are supposed to be like spirits of theater then like they're just like kabuki ninja spirits or something because yeah, kabuki ghosts yeah um coast to coast <laughs> japan's coast to coast is not that far <laughs> um yeah i it's it's wild man they introduced this bombshell of an idea and then the credits roll and i'm like what is this what is any of this <laughs> i will say obviously ogami is the only one that sees the other version of himself mm-hmm. i think right I, yeah they never no one else notices it or comments on it ogami is also the only person that acknowledges the existence of the kabuki ghosts oh because one of them leads him to back into the theater room like when they're like deciding to put on his production so or that's something. why we never see them until he's part of the show his psychic ability is that he sees spirits he speaks with the dead yeah oh. i'm gonna i'm gonna actually fact check this not like just because i wonder if that's actually what it, it is. feels so right though now that you've said it in that context i'm telling yeah, you I'm gonna there is a lot of meat on the bones of this very bizarre not worth watching movie <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> OVA, not movie. I got to stop calling it a movie. I'm going to betray myself. Uh, it, it's uh, they don't say anything about like powers, but they he drives say, a mech. They do say his blood type, though. <laughs> Psychic positive. <laughs> Which is important for any anime yeah. to make sure that the character's blood type is well known. I mean, you have to know who you can get a blood transfusion from so that you might too become a superpowered character. Exactly. If you if you got so lucky. What a ride. What a wild ride. <laughs> I Yeah. I there is a like legitimate part of me after watching this that is like, should I go check out this game? Should I get <laughs> I got a Genesis sitting on the shelf right over here. Should I hook that shit up and just check this out? I mean, there's a PS4 one. There's a oh, PS4 game. Yeah. And, and it looks kind of all right. I, like, I'm so confused, but I don't think I would last. I don't think I could do the effort no. on a game for something like this. I'm, I am, I'm very curious about what the next OVA is going to be like and if it's going to make me love it or hate it at that point. Like, kind of, you know, I grew into that weird place with Digimon after enough, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. captive uh forced attention span that yeah, i was like stockholm syndrome exactly Nick. yeah <laughs> after that for a while i was like well this isn't so bad i'm trying to growing a catch of these characters i caught up a lot faster on this one to where i feel that way uh-huh. um but i wonder if it's gonna last or if i'm gonna like immediately check out when it the next one is just as confusing well you won't have to wait very long nick oh boy because the next one's coming right up we just watched Sakura Wars colon the gorgeous blooming cherry blossoms. Now get ready for Sakura Wars colon the radiant gorgeous blooming cherry blossoms. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That's that's yeah. immediately next on our list. It's immediately next. Fuck. You're tricking me into watching TV shows. This isn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> OVAs, please. This is please. This is just a TV medium. show. Slower. Well. Why run when you can walk, Nick? <laughs> okay, great, great. That is the <laughs> wisdom of this podcast. Great. All right. Yep. See you next time.